Hello and welcome to our new podcast series, 10 Minutes More, Stories from the Experts by 10 Minute Medicine. This series will be an insight into various specialties, from what makes a good F1, the challenges and interesting stories from our experts. We're going to cover a series of specialties from both medicine and surgery, and this podcast is particularly directed at medical students and early career doctors. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to our listeners. Uh, my name is Sherwin Flander. I'm the co-founder and president of 10 Minutes Medicine. I'm very proud to host this episode of 10 Minutes More, Stories from the Experts. Today I have a special guest on the podcast, a colorectal surgeon, a regular part of the Royal College of Surgeons teaching faculty, and a gentleman who's been an exceptional source of personal mentorship for me. Uh, he's in a good position to remind us all that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm to be a consultant very soon, Mr. Diwaka Samra. It's great to have you on the show, Diwaka. First questions first. Tell us a little bit about yourself then. Thanks, Sherwin. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for the kind words. Uh, you are, yes, you're very kind words. So about myself, um, yes, I've just completed my training in general surgery. Looking forward to a consultant job soon. Um, like any other specialties, what I would say is it's 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 a ride which is enjoyable, and it is something which I always wanted to do. But um, I think more importantly, there were quite other specialities which I looked into as a junior doctor growing up, and what I felt was more important was knowing what I don't want to do. This is something which I enjoy doing, and which is what I teach all my juniors and my colleagues as we work together and this is something which I really want to carry on doing for the future. Um, I did graduate overseas in India and then of course did my higher surgical training in the West Midlands having completed it now I'm looking forward to starting my career as a colorectal surgeon, a teacher, an academician and working with the college. Mm, brilliant. So I know you mentioned uh, there were things you ruled out, but what would you pinpoint was the first thing that really sparked your interest in general surgery in particular? What drew you to it? I think in generally the concept of an operation as coming under the knife, it, it felt that it gives that responsibility as a clinician to the person where the person who is undergoing the operation has completely submitted themselves in your hands and you take full complete responsibility of their health and well-being. I think that is a concept which I always found to be something very difficult to achieve and I took it upon myself as something as my ambition to achieve that level of knowledge, expertise as well as confidence to talk to people and then to take their responsibility as a clinician. I think that is what drew me first and foremost. And then of course, my first initi initiation into an operating theater room where I saw an operation and took part in it. 
and watched the operation. I think all of that added on. And it was, as I said, it's always a journey. It's, it's never been just one event which opened my eyes or turned me towards one speciality or the, or the other. And even now, like going through my daily routine as a surgeon, I feel that there is something which I learn and enjoy as well as something which kind of keeps me going and more interested in the speciality. That's a really interesting point you made about that sort of level of responsibility. I think that's something uh, we overlook a lot, don't we? We kind of get the consent form signed and um, shoo them off into theatre. But uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that particular responsibility. We take a step back and realise that somebody has totally entrusted the surgeon um, with their well-being in that situation. It's a very intimate and uh, vulnerable position. Yes, and uh, just to add on to what I was saying, it's, it's, of course, it's a holistic approach. But if you think about, if you distance yourself away from just, just being a doctor, and if you think about it, it's like you have specialized in something particular and your colleagues who could be a, your GP colleague or somebody from E&E or somebody in a medical specialty who are actually asking help and you're there to provide them a service which you are an expert at. So I wouldn't call as a surgeon, I know everything. What I would say is what I do most days and what I have been trained over years, I am good at it. And that is what I provide. And um, I, I think it is rather than just one singular speciality, it's more of working together with the other departments and the other colleagues that makes it so, um, uh, so enjoyable for myself at least it's good to know that uh, the world of general surgery and the people that uh, you come into contact with is a colorful bunch for sure um i think uh, one thing you know we've spoken about in the past and um perhaps uh, our colleagues will agree is sometimes with general surgery we can be very uh, it can be difficult for us to uh, motivate or encourage uh, the new batch of trainees coming through so in your experience and your eyes what are the most exciting sort of things in the specialty uh, for trainees coming through yeah that's that's a very important and of course a very relevant question you asked Shervin. Um, on the lighter side what i usually tend to tell everyone i'm sure i've told you as well what I say is as a surgeon, as a surgical trainee, you start your day a bit earlier, probably half seven. So when you drive into the hospital, there is no congestion on the road. It's a big advantage. You're never looking for a parking spot in the hospital because there is always one because you're the first one who comes in. And then by the time you start your ward round and finish your ward round and then you're with the team having coffee, you probably see the other specialities slowly coming in. So you feel a sense of achievement. And then, of course, comes with it the beauty of operating theatres. It's a complete different domain, different environment. You go in, you do what you like. And in between, of course, you get your rest time and you have your chats and learning and so on and so forth. But on, on, on a serious note, I think what, what, the, what, ex, what would or actually what excited me as a trainee, as a surgeon, was the quick turnaround time you almost felt like that you could see the journey of a patient who is ill from the beginning to the end. It's like a closure that you could see. 
for example, somebody who comes with an acute abdomen, you see them first, you make a decision on their behalf, on their best interest, and then you're involved directly in their care. And then subsequently you see them recover and even before you know they're out of the hospital. I think that is something which is lacking in quite a few other specialities, the continuity of care and to actually see it all through. So you think the sense of achievement is a lot more. That is what I have always felt. The other exciting bit for a trainee coming into surgery is the hands-on training bit, the, the opportunity you have to demonstrate your practical skills. Yes, as professional doctors, all of us are to have the gray cells to make decisions on the clinical judgment evidence-based, but also to have that extra added benefit of somewhere to showcase how your practical skills are. I think that is what has always excited me. There's something to consider. It's, it's not, I, at least I don't think anybody's born a surgeon. It's my personal opinion. I think everybody trains as a surgeon. And as you train, you get better and better at it. And that is, and that is a bar which is very easily, um, which has got an end point, which has got a starting point and where you can compare your performance as you go through in your training. I think that is what has always been something which keeps me driving on to improve and better myself. I would say on a broad basis, these are the things which I would say is would some would be something which should excite any trainee coming through. Mm, I'm totally in agreement um, with uh, what you said based on other sort of uh, spe specialists that I've spoken to in general surgery. Um, to me, the thought of, uh, as you said, following the patient through and not only that, being able to, with your own eyes, see the pathology that has caused all the problems, um, if we get to the right diagnosis, you know, seeing that uh, appendix, seeing the, that perforation with your own eyes and knowing that you came to the right initial differential diagnoses, you followed it through and fixed it with your own hands is uh, something very unique, um, absolutely echoing uh, what you said. And I have to, uh, I had to do my best to stifle the laughs initially because you're, you're so right. <laughs> Finding a parking space mm -hmm. at 7.30 versus 9 in the morning is, uh, they're two different worlds. <laughs> so that's absolutely true. <laughs> sort of going down a similar pathway then, um, we're sort of entering this era now that's been uh, kind of catalyzed by COVID where we're seeing a lot of new developments, particularly in the technological side of things in medical education. Where do you see the future of uh, general surgery? Where are the, the new developments happening? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a question which can, which can be answered over a day, I think. But I think <laughs> as in every speciality, uh, I think it's a rapidly evolving thing. Uh, whether it is medicine or whether it is just science or surgery. I think the doubling time for knowledge, if you look at it two decades ago, was about three years. And now the doubling time is two and a half months. It's very difficult to even to keep up with the knowledge uh, that is constantly evolving. Just to talk about the, even a few things like surgery and robotics, surgery and the use of um, distant learning and distant operating, they have already been almost 
for a decade or more. The other day I was talking about robotics and surgery with a few of my colleagues. After a long conversation, they mentioned about how they have performed a neurosurgical intervention in a child who is still inside the womb of his mother, which is like completely out of this world. It's like, oh my God, what are we talking about here? But again, then when I go back to the um, Royal College of Surgeons where I teach upcoming surgeons, co-trainees, as well as medical students, I think what I always keep stressing upon is no matter how much the development is, it all starts with your basic surgical skills and your basic, see, even if it is a knot tying, that is where it is. And no matter how much it evolves, it is still going to be the basics which take you forward. Yes, if you, if you ask me what is future of surgery, I think the future of surgery is right. Uh, my One of my previous um, consultants mentioned to me that one day there is going to be a medicine for cancer, one day there is going to be a medicine for obesity. So that's it. That's the end of bariatric surgery or cancer surgery per se. That, that's a beautiful thought. And I, I don't think that is something which uh, is not very far in the future, but there'll still be a lot of demand for general surgery, especially colorectal surgery, looking at the disease process, their progression. And I think the day and day what we're doing is we're trying to evolve in how we deliver a safe operation, an operation which can be made easier with the use of a laparoscopy, with the use of robotics, and with the use of other technologies, where, which are minimally invasive. And I think that is what the future holds. So there is no end to that particular question. I'm very happy to field answers on this question on another platform at a later date. But for anybody who is training or who's thinking about surgery, I don't think it is a huge mountain to climb. I think as long as you have your basics right, yes, there is a learning curve like everything else, but the future is very bright. A wonderful answer to that. I think um, for us youngsters, we're always so almost obsessed and always thinking about, oh, what are the most cool and complex things we can learn next? Um, but more often than not, um, it's glad to hear that piece of advice that you need to learn to walk before you need to uh, before you learn to fly, which hopefully uh, we'll be doing in the future. Now, not all of our listeners are necessarily totally surgically inclined, but as we know, particularly in the UK, the vast majority of uh, junior doctors will at some point undergo a placement in general surgery. And as such, I'm sure you've um, come across plenty of uh, F1s, of F2s. These are the most junior doctors um, who you've had to sort of lead in a team. So in your experience, uh, what makes a good foundation doctor, a good junior doctor working in general surgery? Uh, that's an easy one, actually. It doesn't take much. I think most of the ones that we come across, they're excellent. Yes, some people are more apprehensive when they start than the others, but that's a natural process. And I think that's how we all learn and build up. 
But in general, I think if you have to take in a few bullet heads or points, what makes a good F1 or F2 in general surgery, I think one would be punctuality. And two would be what I, I tell my F1, to lead the round, just knowing where the patients are, where we are going. And it's a bonus if you know a little bit more about the patient, not the investigation results, but why they are here or how long since their operation. Those bits are invaluable. Yes, I think the handovers, the maintaining the list is, is a part and parcel of every specialties in UK, especially as, as a junior doctor. But just to be there. And another thing which everyone values is if in doubt, please ask. And for one, one reason or the other, the team structure, which is lacking in most specialities nowadays because of various reasons, we try to still hang on to it in surgery to a certain extent. And we are always, always very happy to work as a team, which helps not just the patient, but also the trainees learning out. Uh, as they go through their career. So what I always say is when you have a problem, please ask, but also have a solution in your head and present the solution to me. So say, for example, you say somebody's hemoglobin is such and such. I think that is why the reason, that is what reason is. And this is what I plan to do. If you say something like that to me, I either say, oh no, you're completely wrong. Or I'll say, yes, you're absolutely right. Or I'll say, yes. And please, why don't we add this on? I think that is where the learning is. And that is where you learn. That is where we learn. And that is why how we evolve as a team undertaking the care of a patient who is unwell and in the hospital. And I think if you are able to take that thing as a take-home message, you'll do very well in your career. So two, two different points there, if I can break that down. One is... Um, the invaluable um, nature of the soft skills of having that organization of, as you said, being on time and of being aware of the patients is something transferable to any specialty. But um, you mentioned there are lots of learning opportunities which don't necessarily come in the form of being sat down by the registrar and given lecture or being talked through something. As you mentioned, it's uh, um, am I right in thinking it's more about sort of being proactive and uh, having a few thoughts on the problem yourself um, as a form of almost uh, assessing or um, getting knowledge of where you stand with uh, your abilities in that specialty? True, true. I, I think you put it uh, very rightly in few words and what I was trying to mm. explain and that makes perfect sense, yeah. Mm. Right. So as I mentioned, right at the very start, um, you've been through the whole process now, um, pretty much ready for ready and raring for a consultant job, which means you must have had plenty of days in general surgery. And I'm sure some days have been particularly difficult compared to other days. When you have a tough day uh, at work, what are the sort of hardest things in the specialty that are responsible for those difficult or trying days? Yeah, I think you put it quite right. Trying days is what I would call it. I think the, the first thing in my mind, the hardest thing is waiting, uh, not just as a person, not just as a surgeon. I think most 
most clinicians would tell you, if you have to wait for anything which concerns your patient, whether it is an investigation result, whether it is getting access to theaters for your patient, or whether it is trying to get another specialty to come and help you out with the care of a patient. I think that's one most difficult aspect which everybody has to come around and overcome. There are lots of ways to deal with it, but I think that is one of the hardest things. The other bit which I've always found difficult is with patient care, especially in patients who are admitted acutely with surgical problems or patients who are admitted for a cancer operations. I think trying to understand the psychology and trying to understand what is going through their mind is very difficult. I'm not saying it is easy in other specialties, but sometimes what happens is as a surgeon and your training of the junior doctor looking after them, there is always a chance it becomes too mechanical and then we forget that we are actually treating an individual person. I think that's always hard, which we always try and keep in mind when we are dealing with individual patients, looking at their needs and looking at their expectations rather than providing a service. Uh, these probably are the, on a global basis, the hardest things. Uh, on, um, on a non-global or uh, reflective basis, what I would say the hardest thing is obviously if you have to break bad news to a patient with regards to the diagnosis, with regards to the prognosis, with regards to something which did not go as well as you had anticipated, that's very hard. To sit next to a patient and tell them there is nothing that you can offer which can help them from the surgical side of things because the disease has progressed or because of any other reason. To, that's hard. To try and speak to a patient to tell them that something went wrong during an operation or during convalescence, during recovery, that's hard. You don't come across these situations day one as you start your training in surgery, but through the years, this is something which everybody does go through, which everybody has to accept as a part of their role and then go around it. I think those are the hardest things which I have faced over the years. Everybody around me have faced over the years as a surgeon. And that is something which I would bring up. I'm glad you brought up the point of breaking bad news. I mean, in all medical schools, we're kind of taught the mechanism and the structure, how uh, we should be doing it. And certainly they're good rules of thumb. But um, all of that sort of almost flees your head at the time uh, when you're faced with what is an enormous challenge. Are there any tips you can provide for um, things that have worked well in your experience when it comes to having those difficult conversations and delivering bad news? Yes, I think if I put it as top five tips, mm. the first and foremost things, what I would say is anybody who is thinking about surgeon, becoming a surgeon or looking into a surgical speciality, I think there are lots of avenues one can explore into. The first, foremost, and the easiest one is to get into theaters, operating theaters, whether it is acute surgery, whether it is 
uh, elective surgery, whether it is laparoscopic, robotic, endoscopic, or open surgery, just to get a hang of the theater environment, because that is what is going to remain for the next 30, 40 odd years that they are going to train and become surgeons. That is constant. That is the first thing. The second thing I would say is drop down to a multidisciplinary meeting, which we call the MDTs, whether it is a cancer MDT, whether it is in lower GI, whether it is IBD MDT, or whether it is chronic pain MDT, whichever way it is. That is where the understanding comes, what we are dealing with, what are the pathways, what are the options, and how different specialties like radiologists, surgeons, pathologists, oncologists, everybody puts their head together and makes the best solution or the best decision, keeping the patient in mind. That is a huge, huge undertaking which must keep in mind. It is about operating, yes. It is about learning skills. It is about transforming what you have learned into practice and improving them. So yes, of course, lots and lots of observing, assisting, performing its supervisions in theaters. Lots and lots of courses which help you, again, learn more skills, basic skills. Few of the ones which I always vouch for, and some of them are mandatory as a part of surgical training would be the basic surgical skill courses, the critically, uh, the CRISP course, the ATLS course. Those are very useful. And um, even the basic laparoscopic skill courses which are available. The other bit which people tend not to look into too much is in your junior years as doctors, feel free to come and sit through a clinic in the afternoon or in the morning, even if it is for 45 minutes and hours, it gives you the idea of exactly how the surgical problems are looked into and how we discuss with the patients the options because it's never, this is the only thing you can have done. It is always either we do nothing or we treat conservatively, or we offer you an operation. It's always the patient's decisions. I think those are the kind of things which I would say would be the top tips. Definitely attend the clinic, maybe once a week or once in a month even to get an idea. Definitely keep a lookout for the MDTs and attend them. And every time you get an opportunity, even if it is for a few hours, just pop into a theater, scrub up, help. We are always looking for people to give us a hand, do a bit during the surgery. So those those would be my tips. Fantastic top tips. Um, those are, you've hit the nail on the head, the most effective sources for learning uh, on almost all surgical placements, but certainly on uh, general surgery and on colorectal. Um, I think that just about covers uh, all of our topics. So um, thank you so much uh, for appearing on our podcast, Duaka. Some wise words thanks. as we always do in part. Um, and of course, thanks always to our listeners. Um, do check out our other videos and podcast episodes on our website. Um, certainly the top tips for F1s that Duaka touched on. Um, we go into plenty of detail uh, in our videos. And of course, let us know which specialty you'd like to see next. Um, and until next time, thank you very much.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you enjoyed, do consider dropping us a like on Facebook or heading over to our website and signing up to our mailing list to be kept up to date with all future releases. Otherwise, I hope you enjoyed and goodbye.